everyone, and welcome back to another installment of my first season. My guests today work for Club Med from 1988 to 2000. Her first season was in Club Med Eleuthera as a mini club geo 1988. She is the third guest on this podcast to be at the opening of Club Med Lindemann Island in 1993, and we're going to get her thoughts on that experience. She worked all over the world in Club Med in such villages as St. Lucia, Ixtapa, Numea, Cheriting, Copper Mountain, and Bali, to name just a few. When my guest was still a young 20-year-old first grade teacher, her parents suggested she go to Club Med Morea by herself as a GM. She did, and she was hooked. You guys know how much I love Aussies, okay? So I am very, very happy to welcome to my first season, the amazing Julie Ford. Hey, Julie, how are you? Hi, Greg. I'm really well. Thank you so much for having me. I promised I would not say the word Aussie three times fast today. Okay, so you, if you, if you hear me start, just stop me, okay? Because you know how much I, I love will. Aussies in Australia, okay? It's no secret. <laughs> you're my favorite people in the whole world, and I always said you're nicer than Canadians, and that's a high compliment. <laughs> Aww, thank you so much. We love Canadians as well. Oh, good. Well, we are part of the Commonwealth, right? <laughs> exactly. Okay. All right. So... So we know you're Australian, okay? If you could take me back a bit, because I'm always interested in everyone's origin story. So do you do you remember actually going to that um, club med at all? Like when when as a GM? I do, yes, I do. Um, I, are you talking about my first time as a GM uh, when I yeah, was? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, because normally I ask how'd you find out about club med, so I guess mm. that's how you found out, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, my dad actually used to do business trips to America, and he used to break the trip in Tahiti on the way home and um, as soon as I went there I realized why all those you know the 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 French way of sunbaking anyway so I went there on vacation I was very very nervous because I've never been away by myself before and I had a great time they put there were the days when they put you with a roommate I was with a girl from Sydney and I had a blast it was a beautiful village Um, obviously those people that have been there would know and I just really loved the whole idea of being able to go away as a single person and have a great time. Okay. And then how long after that did you think to apply to Club Med? Uh, was it months or years? Well, yeah, it was actually a couple of years because then I went back to doing my teaching job and I took a you know a kind of a gap year and I ended up over in, in America doing summer camp counseling, swimming, uh, teaching swimming, and I ended up in New York. And some of the girls that I was working with were applying to go to Club Med and they told me that they were looking for qualified teachers to work in the mini club. And, of course, Maria didn't have a mini club, so I wasn't really, really aware of the mini clubs. So I ended up going for an interview in New York and getting an American contract. So I was interviewed by John Shelley in New York and was sent off to Eleuthera in the Bahamas. And this would have been the... The same year, if your interview, I guess, was in 1988. Yeah, 1988. Yeah. Okay. When I was, uh, yeah, when I was on my break from teaching. So it was, yeah, 1988. Do you remember anything that John Shelley asked you or is it just too blurry? <laughs> I think I, I, I remember sitting in the room and seeing the slideshow of being a GO. And because I'd already been to a Club Med, I kind of knew a bit about it. But I guess, yeah, as I said, because that one in Moray didn't have a mini club, but I remember him saying, you know, you have to work seven days a week. <laughs> and I was fine with that because I'd been working at a summer camp in, in America anyway. So, and yeah, he just basically said, oh, and you have to do the shows. And I was thinking, oh, I don't know. Okay. Well, I guess they'll teach me. 
but yeah, I definitely remember the interview, and I think that he was, I think that he was quite excited that I was a qualified teacher, and he just said, "Okay, when can you leave?" <laughs> now, had you seen any uh, photos of Eleuthera before you left? I had not. I had never even heard of Eleuthera. I had heard of the Bahamas. I'd kind of heard of the West Indies and the and the the way that you say is Caribbean, we say Caribbean because in Australia we play cricket and I love cricket. And so I knew a little bit about the Caribbean, but yeah, as soon as they kind of said, Oh, we, you know, we'd like you to go to Eleuthera. I literally walked out of the club med office, walked into the nearest travel agent, which now that I think about it was probably on the ground floor of the office and just said, can I please have a club med brochure? And I looked up Eleuthera and I just saw these pictures of beautiful pink sand and clear water and thought, oh, my God, I'm going to that village. I'm going to that island. I can't believe it. It just looked absolutely beautiful. And then as soon as I got there, it was exactly what it looked like in the pictures. Do you remember anything about arriving that first day, that first week? Uh, yes. <laughs> I remember you you know, flying into Nassau and walking out and, and seeing uh, the Club Med sign and walking over to the big Bahamian gentleman that was at the airport and, said well I'm going to Eleuthera and I think he was holding a sign for Paradise Island and um, I, at, that, at that stage I don't think I even knew there was a Paradise Island either I said oh I'm going to Eleuthera and he said okay just go and hop in that minivan so I went and hopped in the minivan and I remember thinking what have I done I don't know a single soul I've pretty much told my mum to call the education department back in Australia and say no she's not coming back to teaching and I just remember sitting in the van thinking what have I done? And then this tall, blonde American surfer dude jumped on the bus and said, hey, I'm Brian. And uh, where are you headed? And I said, I'm off to Eleuthera. And he said, so am I. Stick with me. I'll look after you. And 35 years later, we're still friends. Really? <laughs> who, who was this tall, blonde hunk? Uh, his name was Bryant Leach. Oh, okay. And he lives in San Diego and he did a few seasons what, around the tracks. Say, and yeah. Wait, did you say Ryan Leach or Brian Leach? No, no, Bryant. No, I know. Everyone oh, Bryant. Get that. Okay. Yeah, okay. Bryant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I don't remember Ryan seasons. with blonde hair. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> you get there and what, what the heck happened? Exactly. Yeah. So we actually ended up, we spent the night in Paradise Island and then we flew over the next day on one of those small planes. And um, arrived into the village and walked up to the planning office and they gave us our room, allocated us our room. And luckily for me, I actually got allocated a roommate that was her first season as well. I think back in those days, Eleuthera was a place that a lot of first season geos got sent to. And luckily for me, and again, she's still a friend of mine, Laura Gardocki, she was first season as well. So we uh, became good friends and, you know, there were the days when you didn't lock the doors and, you know, you walked around in bare feet and everything. And, oh, I just, I loved it. As soon as I stepped foot in the place, I absolutely loved it. And were you, was there a lot of people uh, working at the mini club? Like your team, was it a big team? Yes. Yes. It was, we arrived just as, I think I want to say the mini, the chief of mini club then was um, a woman called Teddy Bear. And then our new chief arrived and she was Karot from Belgium, Hilda. And I'm still on Facebook with her as well. I don't know if she knows about this podcast, but I'll make sure she does. Um, 
and Aletha was very busy. Yeah, there, there would be up to 200 kids. So we, I think we had Petit Club there. I don't think we had Baby Club at that stage. I think we had Petit Club. So, yeah, there were a lot of us. I think I remember thinking about my – I had my birthday there not long after I arrived, and there must – I'm thinking about the photograph. There must have been close to maybe 20 at one stage. I guess it depended on the time. The time, um, so probably between 10 and 20 mini club geos. So we we're a very big team. And it's your first week and you've already worked with a teddy bear and a carrot. That's pretty good. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> now, I was going to ask you next about Club Med Culture Shock, but I think you you already got that out of way in Tahiti because I think you remember, I, I recall you telling yeah. me that you were surprised by, they were topless uh, women and they were like yeah. giving, giving lessons topless, right? Or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like water ski. Yeah. Okay. So you yeah, got that all out of the yeah. way, right? And that and that they were the days when they used to do the GM show. I don't the one with the whistling and the the GMs wore the big hats. Oh yes. And it was yeah, it was the men and the women were doing it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So you got that all out of your system by the time yeah. you got to a loser. Right? I don't so think not- I was quite ready for all the nicknames though. That was the thing as well. I was like, well, why don't you just call yourself by your real name? But I soon found out that. Club Med is a place where people have nicknames. Did you get one? I didn't. I didn't. Oh, okay. No, not really. Nothing that really stuck. I mean, I think, yeah, the first boyfriend I had, he was Mexican. When I say the first boyfriend, I mean the only boyfriend that season, by the way. Um, We could edit that out. Don't worry. No. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. My first of many. No, no, wait. Okay. I don't care. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> what was his nickname or did you give him his nickname? His name, of course, he was Mexican. Guess what his name was? Oh, no. Please don't say Speedy. Jorge. Jorge. Okay. Okay. That's good. It's <laughs> nice. Hey. Yeah. Again, at any point, you have a cool story or anecdote, you stop mm-hmm. it, okay? So so yeah. do you want to move on to St. Lucia? Well, yeah. Maybe like how, how I went on, how I ended up going to St. Lucia. Yeah. By then tell I'd already, us. Yeah. Okay. So at the end of the season, people start, uh, oh, at the end of, that's right. The end of the season, Carrot left. And then we had an interim chief of mini club and his name was Rusty, Russell Berry. And he came and he took over and he actually said to me, oh, I'm going to St. Lucia next season as chief of mini club and I'd love you to come with me. I'm, I've already got a few of the team that are coming from Eleuthera and I'd love you to come. And the other thing that I remember that he said to me was, and there's this girl coming. I know you and her are going to get along so great. Her name's Jane and she's from California. And I said, well, okay, again, wasn't really sure where St. Lucia was, but I actually did find as soon as he, as he, I realised it was in the British West Indies, I'm like, oh, I have always wanted to go to the West Indies. Again, that cricket connection with Australia and the West Indies. So I thought, you know what? Yep, I'm going to go. So I ended up going to St. Lucia and a few of us, it was great because a few of us were from the same village, from the same season, went there. And I remember meeting this girl, Jane, a lot of probably the listeners would know her, Jane Miller, because she ended up looking after the, she ended up working in the Florida office and taking, looking after all the mini club affectations and everything. But I do remember when I first met her, I thought, oh, I don't know if she's a bit, she's a bit too full on for me and a bit too loud and everything. But yeah, no, we ended up being fantastic friends and still are to this day. Oh, nice. So he uh, he, he picked it. He picked our personalities. <laughs> okay. <laughs> are you saying you're a shy Aussie? 
Yeah, no. Or you, no. Or you were? Or you were? Or you were at the time? I guess. Or... And she actually, it, um, interestingly, she there's a bit of a there is a bit of a gap in my seasons because by the end of Saint Lucia, I had already been away for over two years away from Australia, so I wanted to come back to Australia. So I didn't take another season. I said no, that's it. I'm going back to Australia get a job, get a real job, get a car, get married, blah, blah, blah. No, I realised, wait a minute, I'm only 24, 25 years old. I'm not ready to do that. So I actually, after a few months, I was miserable and she was in, Jane at this stage was in Cobmetic Starpa with Andrea Livingston um, as the chief of village and she said, well, there's a, spa- there's a um, spot in the mini club if you want it. So I jumped on a plane and off I went and came back to the American zone to work in Ixtapa with the wonderful Andrea Livingston as chief of village. And you were still at Bini Club at this point, correct? Yes. Yes, I was. Sorry, did you like Ixtapa? I loved Ixtapa. So Jane was in charge of Petit Club by that stage and the chief of mini club was Fabian. And I think, it, now that I remember, it was then that I found out that um, Club Med Lindemann was going to open. So this is 1991. And the whole time I worked in the, in the American zone, everyone had said to me, when is there going to be a Club Med in Australia? The, the closest one at that stage was New Caledonia, Namia, Chateau Royale. And I had always said to people, I don't know, but as soon as there is, I would love to work there. So as soon as I heard that they were starting a Club Med in Australia, I just thought, bang, that's it. I've got to do the opening. I have to do the opening. So I remember going to Andrea at the time and Fabian, my chief of uh, mini club, and saying, I want to do the opening of the Club Med in Australia. I want to be chief of mini club. Can you start training me to do that? So they did. I started doing my training in Ixtapa as being um, mini club. And that's a good village to do it as well because it's pretty big. (laughs) Ixtapa is a very big village with uh, lots of kids. So, yeah, it was wonderful that they kind of said yep that's okay you'll you know you still got a couple of years to do your stage so that that's what I started to do and did you reunite with your Mexican boyfriend Jorge here (laughs) actually funnily enough I think I did see him in St. Lucia but no (laughs) okay Okay. (laughs) well he was your only boyfriend so I guess yeah okay All right. Yeah, I've heard uh, not always nice things about Ixtapa, but I just like to get people's impressions, the ones that work. Oh, I loved Mexico. I just, you know, being able to go out to Carlos and Charlie's and oh, just uh, I did my scuba diving certification there, which was fantastic. Being able to do that in the warm water uh, it was great diving there. I It was um, they actually didn't have scuba diving in the resort, but just around the corner. There was a scuba. I mean, this was the way before all the development had been built. So, yeah, I loved that village. I loved Mexico and it was just so great to be able to go out in Zihuatanejo and it was wonderful. And we had a great team there too. And then from there, you in 92, so you're getting closer to Lindemann because you get you get sent to Numea, right? When I was that planned? Yeah, so that was, when, um, that was when the Gulf War happened. So we all got, because we used to do six-month seasons, so we had to stay another six months and I wasn't fussed about that uh, because you know it was Andrea and she was a fantastic chief of village and so I obviously needed to get back to the Asian zone 
well, they said, because um, th that's right, because Andrea said to me, if you want to get to Lindemann, you need to get back to the Asian zone. So then I went to New Caledonia. And so that was interesting because I had been in the American zone with American guests and Canadian guests. And then all of a sudden I come back and I go to Chateau Royale, Numia, and it's a lot of Australian guests and French, of course, as well. And I had, I went there and it was, uh, the chief of village was Patrice Corral, who was a lovely man. And then as luck would have it, he was only there six, well, it, you know, lucky for me, but um, he was a, lo a lovely chief of village, but he left after six months and the new chief of village coming in was Andrea Livingston. Uh, yes. And excuse me, Julie, and I'm sure that's because, <laughs> you know, everyone knows, I think Andrea Livingston is, the, you know, the queen of windsurfing. So because Numea is one of the best spots for windsurfing, that's probably why she was sent there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Did you, did you ever was, get to see her tear it up uh, on the water? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> She was amazing seeing her take the sail off, do her splits on the side. Cause I think, yeah, I should, I should know this accurately, but I'm pretty sure she represented America in the freestyle windsurfing yes. at the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, it nice was incredible. It's a nice village too, right? I mean, I've seen photos. Yeah. It looked, it looked beautiful to me anyway. Uh, yeah. The beach was fantastic. Um, the mini club was great. It was it was kind of, it was a bit smaller. So, you know, for me, it was, it was definitely a change, but it, it, it was good. And I started working more obviously with Australians and New Zealanders and it was a very beautiful village and it had, you know, obviously beautiful beach right out the front. I remember we had a beautiful banyan tree, a massive tree right out the front that we were able to do a lot of things with the kids. And it didn't have a, I don't think it had a circus in those days. So Circus was relatively new in the in the Asian zone, coming into the Asian zone. I loved it. I loved the village. It was fantastic. And just, you know, getting out and being able to to do things on the island as well. Okay. And then, so did Lindemann Island, did it already exist as a resort and Club Med bought it or it was built from ground up? Yeah. So it was actually a resort. It was a private island and it had been run by P&O Resorts. So it had been... Um, running as a small resort and then it closed when Club Med bought it they closed it for a couple of years and they started building up the resort because some things were still existing but when I was actually in Namia was when I found out that I'd actually been successful in getting and I didn't even know I didn't I, at that stage I don't think I knew who the chief of village was but I had been made the chief of mini club and they actually sent me there which was fantastic I remember getting a phone call one day from Louise Hewitt in the Sydney office and she said, oh, we just want you to go up and have a look um, at the mini club and make sure that because we need to make sure that everything's okay for Australian standards and everything. So can you fly up there, have a look and just uh, tell us that everything looks okay for the mini club? And I'm like, what? Days off? Sure, I'll do it. <laughs> so um, I came to Sydney and then flew up there. So I got to actually see it while it was still under construction which was really interesting. And the chief of maintenance was already there and his wife, uh, Deborah Grandidier, Francois Grandidier and Deborah. Again, she's still a friend. She's Australian, but already married. And that's right. She was already, she, I'd met her in Ixtapa as well. So I went up, flew into the island on the little airstrip because the boats weren't working there then because the island wasn't open and had a look and just thought, wow, this is incredible. Everything was brand new. 
I hadn't been to a brand new village before and it just looked incredible and I was so excited. And then, yeah, came back to Namia and I was able to select some of the geos that I was working with uh, in Namia to be part of that opening team as well. So that was really, really exciting. And I assume you hadn't met the chief of village, Carlos Castro yet, or I mean, you never worked with him. I hadn't. And then I remember finding out that it was going to be a Brazilian and his name was Carlos Castro. And I heard all these amazing things about him. And yeah, as soon as I met him, I realized everything that what people had said was true. (laughs) I still remember the first moment I met him, he came screaming up on his pink and white little um tri motorbike three-wheeler motorbike hey julie how are you (laughs) that's pretty good (laughs) (laughs) so uh i'd like to get your thoughts on uh there was another kind fellow there that i worked with in playa blanca that he also was at the opening also on this show so what was your first impression when you saw lucas neil (laughs) I remember the very first moment I met him. He, I was standing in the reception area in Lobs, this tall, very much Australian-looking guy because he was wearing an Akubra hat, which is a traditional Australian hat. You'd know what it is. He was holding a didgeridoo, which I'm sure a lot of people know what that is, and a violin case. And I said to him, oh, hi, my name's Julie. I'm the chief of mini club. What are you doing here? And he said, oh, I'm a, I'm a geo musician. And I said, hmm, I didn't know we'd, I'd never worked in a village that we had a geo musician. And I said, oh, I didn't know we had geo musicians. And he, you know, he was 21 years old, straight out of university. So I soon found out that because we were an opening season, we got to have a lot of geos and a lot of geo musicians as well. So yeah, that was my first moment meeting him very he's I think I think that might have been his first day in Club Med it's it's not often you see a violin paired with a didgeridoo right (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) but yeah but man could he play both right (laughs) oh he was very talented yeah came in as a musician but of course we soon found out how funny he was and how he was a natural born entertainer so he soon um, started tagging along with the entertainer that we had at the time, the animateur, a guy by the name of Tweety, Jorge Pina. And yeah. Oh, oh he... excuse me, Julie. Is this the same Jorge? No, it definitely not. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you only date guys named Jorge? What's going on here? <laughs> no. Pre- prerequisite. No. Okay. well do you uh so do you recall so was there like the were you guys waiting on the dock like when the first ferry of gms are like how how does that work when it's the actual first first day but also the meetings we had before (laughs) before the village opened just i remember you know having chef to service meetings and talking about what we're going to do with pool towels and beach towels and coco brochen um she is she was a, a gestionaire that was very, very well known. Sadly, she passed away, but she's she would just sit there in the, she'd come to the chef to service meetings with her bare feet, smoking her jitin, and um, just would just, we would all sit there for ages going, well, this is what we think we should do with the pool towels. And she would just sit there and come out with some word of wisdom right at the end. 
she was an amazing person. So, yeah, it was, it, it was, I guess I'm just saying that because it was an incredible experience to be part of the opening to work out what everything was going to be. But the actual day that we opened with the first people coming along on the boat in the jetty was just fantastic. And obviously it was media because it was really exciting in Australia to have first Club Med. And I've still got a local newspaper lift out talking about it's a Club Med because the Australians, I guess, you know, some had been to some villages, but I wouldn't say it was extremely well known. But so it was very much the team in the Sydney office did an incredible job of um, doing the promoting. So, of course, they were bringing their top travel agents, top people from all around the world and a lot of media and VIPs. So it was really, really exciting. And there's one story that I like, if you could tell just a bit, because in, in some way it's it's our connection. So here I am, I'm interviewing someone who was at Lindemann and you said that you were on the stage of Lindemann watching a live telecast of the Olympics and the winner is Sydney. So that in itself is incredible, right? And then seven years later, I'm standing on that same stage watching the Olympics. So I think well, that's, that's our, that's our cool connection. So, so do you actually, what, what are the odds though? Like that you're in the new village of Australia and they announced the Olympics. Did, and I still it, remember it, it. Was it, what is it? Was it a shoe in or did, like was Australia? No, like, no, okay. not at all. And, and I remember Carlos making a really big deal of it, that we were all in the theater. It was really exciting. And we, no, we definitely weren't sure that we were going to get it. And we, a lot of Australians remember this, but the way that he said it, he didn't say Sydney. He said the winner is Sydney and everyone just jumped up. We all jumped up. It was just incredible. And I, I said to myself then, I, I'm going to be in Sydney for the Olympics. I'm not even from Sydney. I live here now, but I grew up in Melbourne. And I didn't even know how long I was going to be with Club Med or anything like that. But I just thought I have to be there for the and Olympics. Will, and yeah, and we will we will get to that part. I want, I want to leave our listeners mm. hang, hanging a bit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess um, <laughs> like like all opening days or weeks, uh, I guess you had your share of hiccups, right? I guess in the beginning of the yeah yeah we Australian yeah we, yep, yep, we did we um you know just with. You know, people coming there and walking in and the, I guess the Australia, you know, obviously we had a lot of Australians. Uh, we did have some Europeans as well. But trying to get the Australians, like, looking at them, watching us do crazy signs, they were like, what is this? And <laughs> us getting them all up on stage to do crazy <laughs> signs was they were, and it, it, it was fun, though, because they would would just stare at us. I guess it's like any village where you go to where the, you know, the, the first people have never been to Club Med before, they get off the bus and they'll all get off the boat and they're like, why is everybody clapping and waving at me? But it's just such a great concept because obviously it makes everyone feel like a VIP. The food, wow, because we had the opening, obviously we had opening season, the food was incredible. We had beautiful fresh seafood. Everybody loved that side of it. The shows, the shows were fantastic. We had a, a Brazilian choreographer who had incredible costumes. So being able to do the shows was incredible. Having the mini club, a brand new mini club with all brand new toys and uh, everything was was amazing. I don't know. Do you want me to tell the story? Well, yes. About- I would. Yeah. I would think at one point you realized someone was borrowing, quote unquote, yes. your VCR. Yes. Yeah. I'd, li- I'd like to hear that one. 
Yeah. So we, you know, this is the time, like, I think, I don't even think we had TV. I know the GMs had TVs in their rooms, but I think it was like a chef to service thing. You had a TV in your room, but certainly the GOs did not have televisions in their rooms. And this was way before, obviously, internet and everything. So there wasn't a lot to do on The Rock, which some people called Lindemann Island. And so we had a VCR in the mini club, obviously, to, you know, we had movie night once a week. So we had a VCR in the mini club that we had in the storeroom. Now I went in one day and I had, I noticed that the window of the storeroom was open and there was no VCR in the storeroom. It didn't take long before I went down to the theater. I walked around and I said, who has the VCR? I'm not happy at all. Little Mr. Gus, Luke Neal, comes out laughing and said, oh, yeah, Tweety and I thought it would be really fun if we borrowed the VCR and watched movies last night. And I was, I just remember being so angry, shaking my finger at him, saying, I can't believe you stole that VCR. And they thought it was quite funny. He was quite apologetic. But then as soon as he saw my face and he saw how angry I was, he said, oh, 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 I'm really, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. Now, remember, we weren't really good friends at that stage because he was, you know, a young first season GO. I'd already been in Club Med a few years. I guess we were like three or four years apart in age. But I just, we always laugh about that now because we are incredible friends now because we went on and did a couple of seasons together and I went to his wedding and you know the whole life cycle thing he actually was he facilitated my dad's funeral service a couple of years ago so it just 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 kind of show that your friendship can develop from shaking your finger at someone to being a really good friend <laughs> yeah like you, you and you I went, had no idea sorry you, you, it sounds like you went all first grade teacher on him like the first grade teacher I... and you came out and you're you're pointing the finger and shaking it and then yeah <laughs> fast forward you're at his wedding in 2001 like that's that's and, a pretty cool story and also he was a first season geo i had absolutely no idea or if anyone would have said to me at that stage this guy is going to go on and be a chief of village wow like he and he was a fantastic chief of village and he matured so much. And I even saw that the next season, how much he was, he was maturing anyway. So he was, um, yeah, I mean, he's an incredible human being. I love him to death. Yeah, no, he's a big part of my favorite season in Playa was, was Gus mm. for sure. <laughs> so, so then you do, I think you do about a year in Lindemann. Then we move on to Chariting where you're chief of mini club with chief of village, Jean-Pierre Franca. Yeah. Yeah, that was, um, I wasn't actually meant to go there. I was meant to go to Switzerland to do a ski season and to improve my French, but that didn't work out due to some of the Swiss and Australian passport rules, whatever. But I ended up coming back to Australia, which at the time I was not too happy about because I'd already gone and bought all my ski gear and was looking forward to having a ski season and I guess, you know, the thought of coming back to Asia, I was like, ah, I can't have been there, done Asia, I'm ready to go to Europe. But so I turned up in Sheraton, probably not the happiest person I could have been. Um, and Jean-Pierre Franken was very patient with me and I ended up having a fantastic season. I think it's just one of those lessons in life that, you know, sometimes something that you think is not meant to work out absolutely works out. So I ended up having a fantastic season with him. 
Were you prepared for uh, monkeys stealing your sunnies? <laughs> wait, wait, sunnies, sunnies for people listening to sunglasses. Yeah. Because uh, I love, I, I, actually, I, I have one quick question. Like, where do you get, did you get any French GMs in Lindemann at all? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, did they struggle? Because um, I'm English and I re- recall my first day struggling to try and understand uh, Australians speak and with your vernacular. So I'm just curious if. The, uh, if you recall any French people who spoke English but were like, huh, what language is yeah. this? Did that happen? To, to be honest, I think most of the ones we had were probably expats and they might have been living in Asia. Yes, but but then we had a fair share of French French geos as well. So, And um, obviously Carlos spoke French, but Carlos was very funny. He used to try and do the Aussie accent as well. Good eye, Mo. Oh, boy. I'm going to go to McCoy. <laughs> I'm going to McCoy. He used to say, I'm going to McCoy. <laughs> which is Mackay, right? <laughs> yes, which was the closest town that you went to to do. Like if you were lucky, you got to go there and on the light plane and yes. and do some shopping. And, you know, if you needed to do, you know, get supplies, you'd go to Mackay and, and. Um, oh, I, yeah. I forgot to ask you this, like, because when I was there in 2000, we were ordering pizza by plane. So was that a thing back oh, then? No, but I okay. do remember you had to, you went and bought, like, so say I was going to go and buy stuff for the mini club or the choreographer or the costumier needed to buy things. You actually, you couldn't take, you couldn't take things back with you on the light plane because the light plane has a, has a weight limit. And actually one of my really good friends was one of the pilots as well, one of my good friends from Melbourne. And so we used to go there and you, when you bought something, you then wrote a consignment note and then it got picked up. And it would come over by truck and boat. So whatever you bought, you had to wait two or three days to get it. But sometimes we'd be desperate and especially the choreographer or the costumier would say, but I really need these tutus. you know. So they would try and sneak them on the plane and we'd always walk up to the plane and the pilot would just stand there shaking his head going, I told you, you can't bring any more on the plane. But we used to try and sneak stuff on. So we would do our best to to do that but uh no we didn't really do this yeah that was a very good idea greg i love the idea of the uh, pizza delivery (laughs) Uh, sorry i have another question about lindemann i I promised i wouldn't do this but did you warn any foreigners about licking the cane toads when it was raining or was i I was i just singled out because i look like a freak so like so did you ever (laughs) take aside a french geo or american geo go hey look i know you want to but don't lick the cane toads because we never would have thought of thought about doing that but now you put that idea in my head and all i want to do is lick that cane toad so did you ever recall warning everyone about the dangers of because you know i forget how many seven eight deadliest things in the world or in Australia. So did you have to uh, tell people not to do things like that? They yeah. Would... Okay. And also don't go looking for your golf balls. In oh, the yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. A lot of snakes. Yes, yes, yes. We used to take the kids walk for walks and I just got used to seeing snakes. I mean, luckily there weren't many poisonous snakes on Lindemann, but there was a lot of tree snakes and the green ones. And you soon realize that we used to stomp really hard because they feel the vibration more than the noise. So we would stomp really hard and just, you know, we'd always take it in turns. We'd take the kids on a walk through the, you know, through because there were beautiful walks on Lindemann Island and we'd take the kids for a walk and always be, okay, who's going first? <laughs> who's going first with the big stick in case we come across a snake? But, and you probably remember the, the cane toads a lot of times ended up flat on the road as roadkill. Those buses uh, would sometimes. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. No, I, I, yes. Just so your listeners know, I would never lick a dead cane toad. Okay. I'm not an animal. <laughs> I would only lick a live. One. Okay. Yeah. I better stop because of time wise, uh, you know, I could talk to you about Linden in a while, but we're going to move on <laughs> because I see that you did finally get to use your ski gear because after charioting in 1995, they sent you to Copper Mountain with guess who? Carlos Castro, correct? Yes. I actually, I was already thinking I'm probably got one more season left in me and I really want to do a ski season. And I do remember Philippe Raison coming to Sheraton and Philippe Raison was in charge of the Asian zone at that stage. And he said, Julie, I really want you to be in, char- be in charge of the mini club for the Asian region. And I said, thank you for the offer, but no, I want to go to Copper Mountain. <laughs> he wasn't very happy, but he kind of understood. And so I got to go to Copper Mountain and I was so excited to work with Carlos again and catch up with some of the crew that we actually had at Lindemann, which was fantastic. So he brought over a few people, quite a few people, Carlos? Well, no, I, I couldn't. It was mainly um, because it's in America. I had a mainly American team, but the other chief, chief of services that were there uh, were ones that I had worked with in Lindemann, like Renee Knight, who was from the boutique. My friend Lisa was there in charge of the bank, so she was Australian. But, but Jane Miller was in charge of the mini club geos then and I remember her interviewing telling me that she had just interviewed a guy called Ted Wakeman who told Jane that he loved dressing up in his banana suit and she wrote a note then okay this one could go to work for Julie at Copper (laughs) so I had a good mini club team that year (laughs) okay so I'm guessing you were the only Aussie geo there that season there was Lisa as well so Lisa was Oh. oh she was choreographer that's right she was yeah, Lisa Bacon. She was choreographer and she's still a really good friend today as well. Lisa Bacon? Yeah. Okay. I think I've heard that name come up before. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. did you did you get to ski? Did you fall down on your butt? What happened? <laughs> I had skied a little bit, but no, I had not skied, but I soon learned. And it was just that village is just so perfect for, you know, getting out there with the kids and the ski team was great. Momo was in charge of the ski team then. And we had, I had a couple of really good skiers in my mini club team as well. So it was so different. And that's what I loved about it. It was just really different because also, you know, the GMs all arrive on a Sunday and they all leave on a Sunday. So instead of having GMs come and go during the week, you have the same GMs pretty much all week. And so you can kind of build a bit more of a relationship with them. And we had a lot of Brazilians and a lot of Australians and especially in the January school holidays. And the interesting thing about having the Australians was that the drinking age here in Australia is 18, but the drinking age in America is obviously 21. So as soon as I saw the Australians straight away, I'd have to say to them, now, listen, this is the law here. You can't have your teenagers drinking in the hotel." So they were a bit surprised about that, but they, you know, stuck to the law. <laughs> oh, oh, oh boy. Okay. Yeah. No, I hadn't, I didn't realize that you're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, no, I got to, I got to do a bit of skiing, which was fantastic. And it was quite a short season too. I guess I wasn't used to, because you know, obviously you're only there for like, what is it? Five months or something. So it was a short season compared to the last few seasons that, 
that I'd had and it was very different coming out of Asia. Asia is, uh, you know, very like especially sheriting with the the kids and the parents and then coming to coming to the States and having just mini club and just petty club, whereas in, um, in sheriting it was very much, and anyone that has worked in mini club will know, you ask that question about oh, how old are you when you're at home because the kids all want to and the parents want to have their kids come to mini club but they're not quite four years old or they've got to be three and uh, we used to see them coming straight away especially in sheraton no you can't have your kid in the mini club because they're not quite four and the, the kid you know we'd say to the kids and how old are you when you're at home i'm three but my mom said i've got to say i'm four to get in the mini club <laughs> <laughs> so it's the old question like how old are you when you're at home <laughs> So the kids would just throw their parents under the bus, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And then from Copper, I guess Carlos invites you to Rio das Pedras, Brazil, correct? So you went to Brazil for the summer. Yeah. Right? This time hostess, yeah, went... trying something new. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, looked after the kids for a little bit as well. And it was really great. And he had taken a few people as well. I also helped out. I did some some short stints in Watuko as well, helping out in the teen club with Jane. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think, you know, my my reasoning was I knew that I was going to come back to Australia, but I kind of felt like I needed a few months to sort of debrief a bit before heading heading home. So I was really fortunate that I was able to do a couple of short contracts. Yeah, with uh, and then before you hit the office, you go to Bali again with Carlos. So you've worked with yes. him in a few villages now. Uh, did you like Bali? Oh, loved Bali. I had been there before, but not obviously not with Club Med. But the Club Med there is just incredibly beautiful. You know, the the you know the whole culture of the country is really is really in there. And again, there were geos that I knew, and it's just you know such a beautiful, beautiful place and gentle people and tropical. And I loved it. I've been back so many times. It's it's it, it's very convenient for Australians. I guess it's a bit like Mexico is for Canadians and Americans. It's kind of like our local tropical getaway. Now, do you have to apply to work at like the Club Med Australasia Sydney head office? How does that work? Like when you jump from yes. geo to yes. So I had gone back into doing childcare, and I knew the Sydney office people because they used to bring travel agents to Namia and Lindemann Island and Cheriting when I was there. So they bring travel agents to look at the villages. So I knew the people in the office and um, one of them uh, reached out and said there was a position available. And so I thought, oh, I could do that. Even though at the time I thought, oh, I'm, I haven't really done a, a sales role as such before. And she said, oh, but you know, the villages, you'll be fine. And yeah, so I started as a sales rep and I'd go around to all the travel agents um, in Sydney and then I ended up taking quite a few familial groups to Namia and Lindemann, the villages that I worked in. So then I would take the travel agents there, which was amazing. That sounds like a great job. <laughs> it was a great job. Jesus, you get to travel and you have a home base, but you're hardly probably ever at the office. I mean, wow. Okay, great. And that you do about 98 to 2000, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so here we're getting into 2000. Sydney Olympics are upon us. 
And you made this promise to yourself in 93 that somehow you would be there. And what happened? So as the lead up to the Olympics was coming up, everyone was saying, oh, it's going to be crazy with traffic. And, you know, they, they were trying to tell people to take vacation during the Olympics. And because I was mainly on the road most of the time, I took vacation and, uh, and I ended up getting a job working for one of the uh, sponsors and uh, being at one of the hotels where we had guests and taking people out to the events and everything. And so I took that two weeks as vacation. And then when I came back to the Club Med office, I finished the year and um, then I decided I wanted to get into the events side of things. So that's when I started that at the beginning of uh, 2001. All right, so I'm I'm watching the Olympics in Australia from it on a TV. So what uh, what what's, what was it like? Oh, the just you know the atmosphere in the city. Like we, I was very fortunate that I either worked you know a morning shift and had the whole afternoon free, or I worked the afternoon, so I uh, had the morning free. Everyone was in a great mood, and um, you know you jump on the train or the bus, and everyone was chatting and. We, I think we're one of the first cities and I think they've done it a lot since then to, uh, to come up with the live site concept. So you would set, set up a massive screen in a public area and so people that couldn't get tickets to the swimming or the athletics, you would go and watch it at a live site. And, the, and even the atmosphere at that was amazing as well. So it was just yeah, a wonderful time to be in the city and I encourage anyone who lives in any city that has an Olympic Games coming, I really encourage you, don't leave. Because <laughs> I know some people think, oh, we're going to leave, it's going to be too busy, or I'm going to run out my rent out my place or whatever. I really encourage you to stay. It's just one of those life once-in-a-lifetime experiences to have the Olympics in your hometown. It's just an amazing experience to have. I was going to say Aussie Pride was on full display, right? Yeah, because we had Ian Thorpe, like Thorpey was yes. know, on fire. We had the swimmer. Then we had Kathy Freeman win the 400 meters first Indigenous. And, and she um, she carried the tor- torch, if I'm not if I'm not she mistaken. She did the torch right? as well. Yeah. I was yeah. really really lucky to go to the dress rehearsal of the opening, and that was under top secret. And so we kind of we were, but they didn't actually show the torch lighting in the dress rehearsal, so we didn't know where it was going to come from and everything. So, and I was also very fortunate to get tickets to be at the Kathy Freeman race when she won gold. Oh, really? Mm. Oh, wow. That's something that. you won't forget, right? Yeah, I got that in the ballot. So we, so what happens, yes, yeah, so you go into a ballot to to get tickets. So I did get some tickets that I paid for, but I was also really fortunate to actually be able to take people to events as well. I didn't get to go to the swimming, but I got to go to the beach volleyball on Bondi Beach, which was amazing as well seeing the beach volleyball there yeah got to go to the closing ceremony as well I've still got my uniform and just got some souvenirs and things like that so yeah it was an incredible time I promise I wouldn't say it but I'm going to ask it because that was my first time in Australia now did that chant or cry Ozzy 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 did it exist before the Olympics like would you say this before Olympics at sporting events or no I don't think so I don't know I don't recall it because someone would just say it in a crowd if they were watching and everyone would do mm. the follow, you know, the follow up. But I was just, I just realized now did it, yeah. Did it exist before Sydney? 
Mm, no, I don't. I don't recall it at all. Okay. So I think, yeah, it must have come up then. Okay. We. By the uh, way, yes, we hate it. <laughs> oh well, that's what I thought. Like I think now at this point, yes, it must be like, oh God, not again, right? <laughs> at the time, at the time, I think it was appropriate for the Olympics, right? Oh, because, absolutely. Because oh, yeah. I, if Australia was down in something, one lone guy would would scream it out, <laughs> yeah. and then the whole stadium would would respond. So, but yes, I think absolutely. by now, twenty twenty three, you're like, okay, it's time to put it to bed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So we mentioned, you mentioned a, a lot of few names. I don't want to leave anyone out, like people I did work with. I was just curious if in other seasons you worked with any just GOs, chief of services, anyone else you'd like to shout out? I don't want to miss anyone, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm very lucky that, as I'm sure, you know, a lot of people listening as well, is that I feel like, you know, the, the Club Med family, we're, we're, we're such a tribe and, you know, my friends and I, we're all scattered all over the world. And of course, like any geos, we are, we're scattered all over the world. And we're so lucky that doesn't matter how much time has passed when we see each other again, we actually pick up where we left off, which is incredible. Like, you know, my first season, I've got friends that I have recently moved to, to Costa Rica that I always catch up with. I had like, luckily, for me, I had the lovely G.A. Robertson as my stage of mini club in Sheraton, who now is uh, has uh, you know, does all that great work on the uh, XGO Facebook page. And I was lucky enough to catch up with her last year when she came to Australia. Obviously, Gus, Jane Miller. I also met one of my best friends, Nadia Mancini, uh, in Ixtapa. Her and I were the only Australians there. And, of course, my three favourite chef de villages that I've that I've mentioned but I just feel so fortunate to have had that that time in my life and just being able to keep in touch with them all oh Joey Templin's another one I didn't actually do ever do a full season with him but I guess a lot of people would know him because he was a a chief of village I think he was about the same time as Gus but uh I did get to meet him when I visited Carlos in Bali he was there and I think he was doing his stage with Lisa for choreographer then and we're still really good mates he actually works for the office here in Sydney yeah so yeah lots of very very special people that I feel very blessed to know hey I have one more comment question but I was just curious are you able to talk about uh, what you currently do now Oh, sure. Yeah, ironically, (laughs) I actually work for the family that own Hamilton Island, which is the main island that you fly into to get to Lindemann Island. So I was working in the event management sales side of things. I was working for agencies that sold business events or managed business events for people, conferences. And 15 years ago, I started working for Hamilton Island so they're based here, the head office is here in Sydney, but I go up there quite regularly and I fly over the beautiful Lindemann Island every time and I have, every time I fly over, I look down and have wonderful memories of it and it's quite ironic because, yeah, we did go over there once or twice when I was at Lindemann and when I worked for the office, the Sydney office, I used to fly into Hamilton Island and bring agents across to Lindemann. So, yeah, I love it and I love the Sunday. so just really lucky to be back in that area where that I had such a special year there back in the 90s 
since you're still doing, you know, some travel, I'm just curious and, and you're, you live in beautiful Australia. Is there anything that you miss about Clement? Oh, yes. I miss, I, I think it's the camaraderie, the, uh, the, the strong bonds that, you know, and I guess because we're all away from home, especially me, I was so far from home, but I guess a lot of us were. Uh, the camaraderie, the uh, even though, you know, you're working hard, you know, you've just got these incredible friendships. The shows, I loved doing the shows. I mean, I remember my first show, I was so pathetic, <laughs> but you soon grow in confidence. And by the end, I was up there with, with everyone. And, uh, you know, the backstage antics, you know, I used to, Love doing flash cabaret as well in in Sheraton. We used to do it with, oh, gorgeous Steve Riley. How can I forget him? Uh, Steve Riley, Gus, Nadia and I, and Jean-Pierre, even though English was his second language, he had an amazing sense of humour and he was fantastic at flash cabaret. He just had that knack of entertaining as well. And I used to just love doing flash cabaret. I used to love getting on the stage. I used to love hanging out backstage. Um, but, yeah, I guess, you know, like everyone, it's probably the people and the places that you get to go to. I never probably would have gone to Eleuthera or St Lucia on my own if I hadn't gone there with Club Med. All right. This next question might be difficult. Um, I'm curious if you had any seasons that were magical. Was it your first one because it was your first one or did you have several magical ones? One that really stood out. Oh, I was very lucky because I think I had so many, which is why I stayed in the, in the club med for so long, uh, in club med for so long. But I, I would probably say yes to my first season because I think everybody's first season is, is is special because of what it was. I thought the island was beautiful. Everyone always says Australia has the best beaches and I always say, except for Eleuthera, uh, <laughs> it's one of those, it is a beautiful island. And it's true, Australians, we, we, you know, we travel and everyone says there's beautiful beaches, but we are very spoiled with our beaches. I think Lindemann very much because it was the first season. It was back in my home country. It was a fantastic team. But then, yeah, I think every season has its own special, special magic. It's hard to pinpoint one, but yeah, I think probably those two. And Copper was my last season as well. So that had a special place in my heart as well. Well, you mentioned beaches, so I never got to see the famous pink sand beach of Eleuthera. But however, I did go to Whitehaven and when when someone, an Anazi told me that when you step on the beach of Whitehaven, the sand squeaks. I swear to God, for two hours, that's all I did. I didn't do any of the activities that I was there for. It was like <laughs> some excursion. And all I did was walk and stamp my foot to hear the sand squeak. Did you ever go to Whitehaven? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very fortunate. I get to take people to Whitehaven. Did you polish your jewelry? <laughs> Whoops. Did wait they a minute tell now. you that? Now remember, this is a clean podcast, Julie. No, um, sorry. Um, no, no, no. I never heard this one. What, what, what is that about? Okay, so the sand on Whitehaven Beach, yes. because it's so white, it's very, very fine silica. Uh, so that was it. That was it. it. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. So when you rub it against your jewelry, it makes your jewelry shine. So your rings, your necklaces, everything. So whenever we take people there, we always say, you know, polish your jewelry. It's very, very fine silica sand. But you also have to be very careful because it is so fine. It gets in everywhere. So we tell people don't take your mobile phones there. Of course, we didn't have that issue back in the Club Med days when I was there. But, yeah, you 
if you take your mobile phone there, you've got to put it in a Ziploc bag and things like that. We're very, very lucky. It's such a beautiful, it's always voted one of the top 10 beaches in the world. Yes. And because of the silica, that's why it kind of squeaks, squeaks, right? Like that sound, it makes a unique sound that no other beach I've been on in 10 years ever made. So I was just Mm -hmm. completely fascinated and for two hours, just walked around trying to make (laughs) it squeak like the typical (laughs) dumb, dumb tourist. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now, Julie, you've been so kind with your time. I don't want to let you go unless I've something I forgot to ask you. Like this is the, I want to give you a chance to, you know, tell me a story or I know we covered a lot, but you know, I want to make sure we got it all on the record or um, is there something you wanted to say before we go? Well, well, first of all, everybody is welcome in Australia. Oh God, thank uh, you. <laughs> even though there isn't a club med here anymore, we, can we, can uh, we stay with you? Can we stay with you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't um, tempt me. <laughs> okay. Told. <laughs> oh, I'm sure Gus and Joey and Lisa will have everyone as well. Okay. Uh, I'm just, <laughs> We've got an Australian term called dobbing them in, which is like, okay, I'm just like putting their names out there. (laughs) Oh, look, I would actually say if there's anyone listening to this who has not been a geo or perhaps has a child or a a neighbour or or someone that is thinking of being a Club Med geo, I would highly, highly recommend it because it is just the most incredible experience. Uh, I learned some incredible customer service skills and just made some incredible friendships that, you know, you can't, you, you can't replace that. So I'm so grateful uh, for the time that I had in Club Med and always happy to talk about it. So thanks for allowing me to, and thank you for doing this podcast, Greg. Oh, no, the ones I've listened to so far have been, incre- have been wonderful and really brought back really lovely memories. I guess there's probably not much you would change because I like the part of the story where you were, you left and you thought I, I better get quote unquote a real job, but you're like, wait a minute, damn it, I'm 24. So you probably are mm. are, glad, are glad you made that decision to still keep going because you probably would have regretted, right? If you didn't try it more, right? Oh, absolutely. Especially in my twenties. And I think that, you know, once I knew that the Australian Club Med was going to open as well, I was like, well, I can't give up that opportunity. I'm going to do this for a few years now because you know, I've I've got fun. You know, I've I've got the qualification to 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 do that. You know, to do the mini club, and I learned other skills as well, which you know helps me in my in my job today. So, yeah, I was really lucky that I was. You know, that that Jane said, "Come to Extapa." <laughs> awesome. Oh, Julie, Julie Ford, this has been so great for you to share your story with us. Uh, thank you so much for doing this today. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for agreeing to do it so late at night, because uh, as you know, we have a 15 hour time difference. So uh, (laughs) it's early for me, but it's late for Julie. She had to like, you know, put her plans aside, not go out to the disco. So uh, thank you so much for that. (laughs) uh, It's not too late, it's fine. Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. And uh, here's the part, Julie, where we say thank you to our amazing listeners for listening to us. Thank you, everyone. Julie, I'll leave you to say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody, and see you down under.